office hours with Ernest Wilkins was recorded live at Mass in the greatest city in the world, Chicago, USA. This is Office Hours. I'm Ernest Wilkins. And I'm Alex Meadowkow. Alex. Hi, Ernest. What's up? Oh, you know, we're just, I mean, it's so fun to be here. It's always so, fun to be here, yeah. What a, what a great day. What a great week. You know what's funny about this podcast? I always feel like once we officially start recording, like people are watching. And so I feel like I got to like straighten up my posture and stuff. Really? I do. I, this yeah. is the first week I haven't done a slouch. Like I will generally d- get into a comfortable slouch and mm-hmm. then just bring the microphone to yeah, me to like you. I'm on the sofa eating ice cream or something like that. Not, <laughs> not that I ever do that. I, I do that all the time. What are you talking about, man? I love I just, ice cream. I'm, I got a weird thing about eating on furniture. Really? Are you one of those people with the plastic on your couch, man? I, you know, if it was socially acceptable, I probably would. <laughs> oh my I, god! I I don't know why. Yo, I'm, is it because of stains? Are you worried about stains? I'm worried about vermin. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that mice. makes sense. Mice and yeah, yeah, just I, getting yeah crumb, I respect that. Crumbs in the sofa. Yeah. It's not. I don't. I gotta. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I think. I, but granted, yeah. I don't eat ice cream with crumbs, so you should be able to. You don't mix like I a should, brownie up in there, a little little cookie action. It's never even occurred to me. Are you no. serious? You've never like just took a cookie and just sprinkled it, like yeah, a sprinkle. Here's here's, listen. You're gonna call me Segway Man, but we were talking about blind spots we later are. on the show. Yes. Right now, I'm gonna tell you one of my blind spots is yeah. enjoying dessert treats, and wow. this is a major source of friction in my marriage. Where I think I just I'm just like I'll just have literally every time we have ice cream I'm just like I'll have a one spoonful of whatever you're having that's my when it's like what are you gonna have that's it that's all I want that is our first official office hours hot take (laughs) yeah it's a hot take yeah that's that's spicy yeah man I can't wait to just see the tidal wave of response (laughs) that this gets and and also I love flip-flops Huh? Yeah, I, yeah, wow. Summertime. That is our second Office Hours hot take. So, I, like in the city, flip-flops? Like you're just walking around. Bro, I, you just talked about you're worried about like gross stuff, but then like your toes are like inches away from sheer disaster. My, uh, yeah, okay. So some stipulations around this. Let's talk no, about it. No open-toed shoes at any event where there are more than 10 people at. Baseball game. Festival, mm-hmm. yada yada. You the city, any city. You see what I'm saying? Uh, I don't. I do like to wear a good pair of what are they called? Chacos. Yeah. What? what? It's uh, like these strappy sandals that. Are you out here? At, okay. I love them. Alex uh, is out here living so in European lifestyle. I respect so it. So comfy. I mean, we're in Kappa next. I'm out here. I see it. What's Kappa? It's just a brand, soccer brand from overseas. Oh, sportswear brand. All right, let's just check it out. I think it's not as popular in America as it is overseas. Is it comfy? What is it? Shoes? It's like you know, trainers, track suits, the whole nine yards. I, you know, I do like to be comfortable. Yeah, it's like Adidas, Puma, Kappa. What about Umbro? Is that still Umbro's a thing? still a thing? Okay. Yeah, a lot of shoes, a lot of balls. I remember the guy. A lot of balls. A lot a lot of balls. I, the 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 guys who were and when I was a kid, the guys who were like real sporty, they'd wear like Umbro, and it's mm. like, where do you even get that? Yeah. That was I remember like the sporty sporty kids who like had went to like AYSO like those kids would come through in the heavy umbro and like the swishy remember like the swishy tracksuits 
Sort of. Like they're not as like now it's like sleek. You know what I mean? They can get like a athleisure outfit on. Like I, we're gonna get to the point eventually here, folks. We're gonna finish this thought though. Um I always was just like, damn, those are cool. And now I feel like people are starting to wear baggier clothes now, just like as a cultural note. I'm seeing a lot of men's fashion being like, We don't wear tight jeans anymore. We're wearing baggy pants and like they just kinda all look like newsies a little bit. And there's like this comfort uh, casual thing, like the Untuck It brand. Have you seen those? Ads? I think that's the laziest like nonsense I've ever seen in my it's life. Rid- it's it's ridiculous, but it's like this shirt is based on you can wear it untucked. Here's another like cultural this. observation: a lot of tech to me seems like it's solving problems that like nine people have. <laughs> <laughs> They're like we have we've invested millions of dollars so that you don't ever have to tuck your shirt in again. <laughs> like <laughs> what? Or they're just doing things that it's like you used to do this on the phone. Yeah. Now you can. See, that makes it. sense. Like, it's, it's like a generational that. thing, you know, yeah. like, and this also is a really shaky, but we're going to go with it. Segue into today's topic. We're talking just about blind spots in marketing, advertising in the world that we live in. And I think that is a major one. <laughs> what is the, does the, <laughs> is the product you're creating a real issue for more than nine people. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Know your audience. Yeah. Like, I mean, there is that like total uh, tech bro attitude of like, I don't want to ask people what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know, Steve Jobs used to go around saying if Henry Ford had asked people what they wanted, they would have said, I want faster horses. Mm-hmm. And there's, I guess, something to that. Right. But it, I mean, Steve Jobs also and Apple in general, famous for never doing focus groups. Yeah. They just say we trust ourselves if we build a good product. Yeah. And frankly, I'm absolutely for the abolition of the focus group. But I am also for just knowing that your product has some value and that you're putting a relevant message. So I disagree. It. And it actually segues into our first point. There are a lot of blind spots because of things like confirmation bias things like you know assumed you know assumptions about a demographic or social group and and the larger thing is like and this is a question for you alex where it's like the blind spots right i don't expect people to know everything about every demographic i don't expect people to know everything there is to know about you know a specific segment of the market but from a strategy perspective do you like how important is it to not have everybody in the room look the same I mean, well, here's the, the risk you... At like that high level, like C-suite level. Yeah, I mean, at, at that level, the risk you run is that you're just going to be regurgitating stereotypes back into the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to get ads like what we saw in the 70s, like, um, and we'll, we'll link some of this stuff up on the show page, yeah. but like we, we found some ads from McDonald's from the 70s. Obviously, McDonald's has come a long way. All yeah. marketers have. This I is think not so. This is not a McDonald's-specific dig. Bro, I mean, a double cheeseburger this weekend. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, there were some specific ads that just look like some white people uh, put black people in front of the camera yeah. and just were like, look as white as you can. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then the, the copy is tremendously like offensive from today's lens. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how exactly it looked in 1974 so, or whatever. For the sake of an audio experience, we want you to put us on the par with the Dr. Death or a serial. I'm going to do a reading of this McDonald's ad from the 70s. Dramatic readings of <clears> McDonald's <throat> ads. Um, we need like a, if anybody's a musician, can we get like a drop for this? We'll do, we'll do one in an episode if you have something fantastic to send us. We'll, we'll link to that show page. <clears throat> the piece is called Do Your Dinner Time at McDonald's. When you're looking 
for a different place to have dinner, check out McDonald's. You don't have to get dressed up. There's no tipping. And the kids love it. You can relax and get down with good food that won't keep you waiting. Dinner timing or any timing, going out is easy at McDonald's. Now, we're going to do a little that, thank you, Ernest. Yes, that, thank, as, thank you. as, as uh, you know, it, traditionally at a poetry slam, yeah, like the, a, yeah I got to snap it. I, I snap that up. I, snap I appreciate that. that. Thank so, you. so there's a, a, a recurring segment we have here on Office Hours <laughs> called Read My Brief. Read and, my brief. Yeah, welcome to Read My Brief. All right. Uh, and so, like, Read My Brief is all about just looking at, like, imagining what is the brief that was mm. given to the creative team behind this. And I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm just imagining that these are essentially bullet points from the brief, right? That say, like, yeah. why are why are African Americans in 1974 not going to McDonald's? <laughs> they think there's tipping. They think there's, there's <laughs> tipping. And as we all know, that's the stereotype. That see? is the see? stereotype. And now a lot of people exactly. are about to finish that sentence. Uh-huh. Let's ask ourselves a question. Why do you believe that's a true thing? You see what I'm saying? This is why we need diversity. And the thing is, nobody, I don't think anybody is still like, wait, we need diversity? I think it's genuinely now we're saying, hey, dummy, you're losing money at this point. Right. And if there were one black person in the room when this ad were created, that person could say- See, but I disagree because I've been the only black person in the room. A lot of times, actually. And unfortunately, this thing happens and it's almost like a groupthink exercise where and I don't know what the name of it is. If anyone has a name for it, technically, please let me know. But basically, you are kind of gaslit into believing that your viewpoint on this is not accurate or, hey, you're overreacting or, hey, you're being sensitive. That's a big one. Uh, Um, Nobody's thinking that way. They are definitely thinking that way. And, and so I can say with full confidence that sometimes I hate when people are like, if there was a black person in there, they would have stopped it. It's like, no, they wouldn't have. If there were four black people in there, then yeah, that probably would have got knocked out. Well, all, and fair enough. To your point, maybe it's not just having the person in the room, but having the having all the people in the room being open to the idea that yeah. you have a valid or Or just even understanding the fact that they've spent enough time socially. Because that's the, that's the, the, the long and short of it is just there's no social interaction. Because if you if you've ever worked in any sort of marketing capacity, any advertising agency, a lot of it is literally what is a shared viewpoint we all have because we all working towards a solid goal. So if you you know you're the person in the audience, you know the office who hasn't seen Game of Thrones, you're othered, right? Sure. You know, everybody has a thing that, that you don't that, have. That's you're yeah. looking at me. I haven't seen Game of Thrones either. So there's only two of us. There's only two of us in the this, entire house. Guys, office hours is changing gears. We're going to a new theme. <laughs> We're gonna t- just talk about what we think yeah. Game of Thrones is about. But this this ad though, yeah, like to your point, like this has a lot to do with creating like an aspirational middle ground, right? right? That, like these people are like you can imagine the phrase "not too urban" was spoken yeah. in this meeting. You can imagine. That, uh, that they were like, the way that this ad was cast, there are five people in the mm-hmm. ad. There's, it's obviously a family and yep. a, probably a friend or an, another family. Somebody. Member. Right. Um, and you can imagine just like them, them saying like, let's make this look right. in such a way that like both black people right. and white people who see this ad will get some, you know. We, I mean, we, we're going to solve diversity today. I'm going to solve diversity right now. Are you ready for this? Are you do ready you, for this? Do you have your infinity gauntlet on? Yeah, I'm about you? to, you know, um, here's a lot of money. Um, <laughs> so here is the solution to racism. Here it is. 
if you are a white American, doesn't matter male, doesn't matter female, go to a situation, a party, bar, lounge, club, where you are the only white person and hang out for 45 minutes. That's it. It all gets solved from there. That do that, it because because here's the thing. I don't care how progressive you are. You can ask that question to a lot of people. That answer is gonna get awkward. Hey, when's the last time that you were? In, uh, uh, and it's fine. Nobody's mad at you. But I genuinely believe exposure humanizes people. I agree. Exposure humanizes people, and I think just an understanding of what racism is mm-hmm. and how it is part of us and it's yeah it is it is in there right? but even and, on like on not even on a social standpoint even just taking it back to business like genuinely you will make more money i i do not know how to sum it up any clearer than that and i think it's really hilarious and sometimes embarrassing when you have a situation like a modern version of this dinner time and ad because we see them a lot mm-hmm. but it isn't about being tone deaf as much as it is you did all this study and you went to school. Right. <laughs> you did all this learning. You did all your MBA, all that stuff. And this whole time, you're ignoring a very viable market. You're, you're right, exactly. You're either ignoring it or just like like this. I think this is an mm-hmm. example of a company kind of trying and yeah. and failing, right? Yeah, and for there sure. are, there's there's in, a lot of in, them. Yeah. In the interest of blind spots, though, there's yeah. there's ads that are just complete, or there's entire segments, yeah. right? Like uh, that are completely ignoring. Uh, the African-American yeah. population or the Asian-American yeah. population, the elderly population. Or women. Or, or women. Men. Right. Financial <laughs> yeah, services matter. caught up to women in like like, like 10 years ago. It's yeah. Like, They're like, oh, wait, women have money? Like, and exactly. it's just like, are you kidding me, dog? But but the net result of this is if you're an African-American mm-hmm. teenager, for example, you might, you'll be more likely to see an African-American in an ad for yeah. a vice product, a cigarette, yeah. or not, not cigarettes anymore, but for like, you know, malt liquor or yeah. beer or alcohol yeah. uh, versus in a financial services ad, yeah. right? And so you'll see these ads, all wealth management ads. Look at any wealth management ad unless they've also like, like a lot of wealth management ads. It's the most obscure. Like I I'm like, are y'all all on peyote or something? G? Because it's like <laughs> it'll be like a ram running down a field and then there'll be a hawk in the air. And it's all it's talking about is brokerage. But it's just like, what do you think you do for a living? Like if I saw that commercial, I'd be like, are they, are they do they work at Yellowstone? What the hell is going on? It's like the Dockers ads. Those are, except for or the infinity. Remember yeah. infinity ads? Yeah, that's how I feel like the Matthew McConaughey car ads, where it's oh. like they're at like a rich like coke party, and it's like I always loved my Lincoln, and he just drives off, and it's like, wait, like what is going on? Hey, Matthew McConaughey just swan dived into the pool, yeah, and got out, and got out, and got into his Lincoln. Yeah. What's up with that? Yeah, I'm also like, aren't his seats wet? Oh, uh, oh, they were filming a commercial. Yeah, it's like, but that. Uh, <laughs> It's funny just because, again, kind of tying a bow on it, it's, it's a situation where we're talking about blind spots. And obvious frustrations notwithstanding, I think it's just a, an indication to pivot for the folks who have the common sense to be able to look at a broader context of a society and say, like, hey, you know, there's different demographics, but all of these demographics have this same thing. They all want to look good before they go out for the night. They all want to have a good meal. They all want to, you know, their kids to you know, graduate and look really cool and go to a good school. Like all of those things are something that humans want. And I feel like people who will just kind of approach it from that standpoint will again, make more money. 
Totally agree. Yeah, I mean, if like if you're gonna do it, you might as well do it right. Right. Address your audience as human beings is good advice <laughs> for marketers. You would think we wouldn't have to say it, but <laughs> here we are, baby. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so <laughs> we're like depressed now, but we're like trying to uh, persevere. Uh, so we have a couple of other examples of just kind of blind spots in the world of marketing. And one of them I wanted to talk about because it's topical, but it is June, which means that is Pride Month, a fantastic celebration of the LGBTQ community and folks who have really sacrificed a lot to, you know, have civil rights and equal rights as heterosexuals and folks who are, you know, thought of in a sense of it being quote-unquote normal i don't think it's a, a normalcy thing i think it's just a situation where there's an opportunity to target an audience but far more often than i was expecting you're seeing a lot of brands do what i believe the term is called rainbow washing and that that is a term that we may have made up yeah we might, we not, might have made yeah we're not sure we may have just invented that term. And, and so alex for the folks who have never heard this term because we just made it up what do we think rainbow washing is? You know, I think in the discussion that we had, uh, it, it's sort of like about when a corporation of a certain size just, it is Pride Month, mm-hmm. you have a Pride celebration as part of, like we, we literally just yeah. randomly searched like any given corporation and said like, do they have a Pride right. Month? And it's like, it, it seems like if you have more than 10,000 employees, you've got some kind of Pride thing going on. But we also, I think it was a nice test of our own biases and stereotypes because there were organizations that I genuinely didn't believe would have pride related, you know, right. um, programming or any sort of special recognition going on. And they definitely did above and beyond. And yeah. so I think that's a nice personal challenge to me and other folks to not make assumptions. You know, um, if you were wondering, the NRA is not actively doing any pride campaigns. We did check Na- um, NASCAR, NASCAR now, not, but <laughs> there's an openly gay driver. There's a gay driver. And, I'm I'm guessing there's maybe one gay fan. I don't know. I, I <laughs> that's see again stereotyping. I, I, I but, don't know. But no, there's. I mean, statistically, there are a lot of like if you think about the population at large, there are a lot of gay NASCAR fans. And shout out to them. I guess there have to be. Well, but but the point I, of it, the point of it is is the blind spot, right? right? Because I think I use an example of a uh, Bubba Wallace, who currently is the only African American driver in NASCAR. I think he might be only one in any truck, IndyCar, not IndyCar, but basically he has not shirked from this. You would think that's like a joke or a stereotype or something that you would, you know, a bad stand-up comedian would like goof on for like five minutes. But he legitimately is like, yes, I am the only one and I'm going to kick your ass. And I heard a really interesting interview with him the other day, but I also, in our you know research, we were like, you know, if there is, you know, an openly gay driver... And this person has an opportunity to widen the fan base of NASCAR, which is a very, I would say, niche fan base compared to like the NFL or even the NBA. Why, as an organization, wouldn't you, you know, promote that? I mean, you would think they're, they'd be all about bringing people in, to, to be honest. I'd mm-hmm. be curious what that discussion would be like, right? Well, like, I think like, it's a lot of assumptions about homophobia, right? Like, I think well, there's... Right. You, and, yeah. and their established audience is homophobia, right? right? So, right. Like, but just think, that's an assumption. We don't know, because I think there's a lot of people who probably would love to have more identification as NASCAR fans the same way any other organization who is showing love to a part of the fan base. You belong to, a, you know, if a brand represents your values, they should represent... 
the values that you personally hold dear. It doesn't mean necessarily that they have to, you know, do everything for everybody. But if it's something where the founders and you look around your offices, it's like we need to represent the people that are we are trying to target with our marketing. Right. Which is, I mean, I think it's partly a scale thing and mm. partly an audience thing, but like who who does and doesn't do pride well, I guess is it's like we're just starting to look at this. Yeah. But I think I think the other thing is authenticity, right? Because it's very easy to same way like you see a lot of people, you know, you know, douse themselves in pink for breast cancer awareness month. If you're doing the work 11, the 11 other months of the year. I think those brands are the ones who are doing pride well because they've built a consistent investment into a community that they wish to engage with. Right. And the assumption is if you're if you are Jewel Osco and you have a mm-hmm. float in the pride parade right. in Chicago, you are going to be a workplace that is friendly to, to homosexuals. Yeah. To, to anyone yeah. who's showing pride. Welcoming, yeah. yeah. And I think that's that's a situation where, you know, you see a lot of frustration around like discrimination in the workplace, discrimination just in general. And I think a lot of people don't understand how much power brands have and being able to communicate values right and because brands cross state lines right like mm-hmm. and right now the laws in illinois are different from the laws in missouri for yeah. example. in missouri you can get just get fired for being gay which is atrocious it, which it's just like that's just how it is there and they're i guess they're okay with that some people are, but, I, but I, like, i'd say probably but, a lot but, of people aren't okay thing, with that. but here's the thing brands transcend state lines right yeah. so if you're working for a company that is national it is probably going to have higher standards than missouri um so so, so to me there's that element of mm. like protection through uh uh where you're working right. Right? right and i think a lot of and this is maybe i think the millennials and gen xers i actually think are the same every generation after us, we are all kind of looking for representation in this stuff. If you're going to beat me over the head with brands every, what every 11 seconds or every advertising every 11 seconds or whatever the stat is, I want it to be something that represents my actual day to day. I want it to be something that represents my life. I want it to be represents my values. I want it to be something that represents the kind of thing that I'm building my life around in terms of like my own context and culture. Now, the the brand that most resonates with you, from what I can tell, is the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> like, I see you in Chicago Bulls, yeah. so that and vintage hip-hop t-shirts. I try to stay active. Um, my, I would say brands, oh, here's a fun little thing. Okay, what brands, and, and we'll get back to the blind spot thing in a second, but what brands do you think represent your values? Uh, the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> That's the only so Star t- Wars. I got, I, Star got, Wars. I, got, I got just nothing but Empire Strikes Back t- t-shirts. That's okay. the only like logo t-shirt I've got. But I mean, no, in terms of like, uh, it's rep- like mine, I would say Carhartt probably. I would say Nike for sure. I would say like the, you represent your values or, I, you or know, just, just our brands, like brands that you like. You, I feel like you align yourself with. Oh man, that is a tough one. Brands that I align myself. Yeah, with? everybody's got them. Yours could be like Martinelli's because you like the apple juice. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's funny to think about. So maybe we'll get back to that concept. But I was off the top of my head. I was like, Nike. You know, you know what? Let's, let's do like, a, a questionnaire between shows. Let's, let me, yeah, do, we'll a, do, a let me do a questionnaire sort of thing and let's yeah. figure this out. Well, like, what brand is my soul brand? Right. Like, what is my soul sister, soul match, soul uh, mate brand? <laughs> Okay. I'm like waving my we'll, head, we'll trying to think to of the word mate. But that that is yeah. a really interesting question, and 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 like how brands put themselves out there, mm-hmm. I think is a big part of that. Like yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm the worst advertiser marketer ever. I mean, <laughs> it's a 
a lot of brands out there and just a lot of I mean just like the size of commerce in this country is gigantic and that's that's part of it it's just like they they think like brands think of uh, shelf space mm-hmm. and they think okay I've got two feet in the deodorant aisle what am I going to do with right. that am I going to segment that out or am I going to try to get another foot somewhere else mm-hmm. or am I going to do something else you know or am right. I just going to ha- like what is the easiest thing for a manufacturer to do like the easiest thing is yeah. to make one thing and hope everybody likes it mm, right yeah uh, but like if if you really want to attract them, if you want to bring your audience to you, you've got to go out and figure out like what are, what are the needs of your segments? Right. So, I feel like we need to we need to give people like a nice little like checklist, avoiding blind spots in marketing. Ooh, a checklist for avoiding blind spots in marketing. So you yeah. say you don't you want to ban the focus group? I think. <laughs> You can do a focus group that will be more beneficial, but it requires you to be really ruthless about who your target demographic is. I think actually talking to actual target people, I don't, I, I think is fine. I mm. think s- spending money on focus groups is not that fine because you can learn 85% by talking to a very small, 85% of what you would get out mm-hmm. of a focus group, you can learn by talking to a very small number of people. But the problem with that is, those very small number of people usually end up being the exact same. Well, here's the other thing is being ready to listen to what you hear, mm. right? Like, and act on it. Yeah. Because nobody wants to hear that their ad is garbagey yeah. or is not right or is tone deaf right. or is yada yada. Because like you said, you could be in that room and there there's this group mm-hmm. thing and people are just like, well, there's a reason it's like, right. blah, 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 You can get talked out of it. Right. right. But like, be ready to change your mind. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, yes, I think in business, you just need to be able to be flexible mentally in terms of like, if your plan switches, you need to just be able to go with the flow, as they right. say. Um, I have another one. Tips to avoiding blind spots in media and marketing. Wow. Um, talk to your youngest employees. Hmm. Show it to them. Show, like, if you're that, that creative director, you know, high level expense account, go bring your interns in and show them the ads. Or talk to people who aren't working at an ad agency. I actually, this is a, this is anybody who's ever worked for me knows this. I will ask you the question. If you weren't working here, would you like this? Hmm. And the answer, I would say without a shadow of a doubt, 10 out of 10 times gets me the actual real opinion of a person because then you have to take the the I'm because I think a lot of people it's it's a, it's a again it's not a necessarily a group thing but it's like you have this kind of motivation to be positive and be supportive and I think it's one of the underlying pieces that can be somewhat toxic in business cultures if the sense of you can't ever you know criticize anything yep even when it deserves it I understand you know sometimes people there's that one cynical and it's always a guy who just wants to dunk on everybody's idea for whatever but I think a lot of times people pass bad behavior or just bad work off as, well, you're being negative. Exactly. And the the best work may not be something that's in the room, right? Like you might just say, okay, what is the best of what I'm looking yeah. at? Right. Okay. This is, this is the best. We can nudge that in this direction or that direction. But you're, I guess the question is like, what are you not seeing on, yeah. that, on that wall when you're doing a, a review? Yeah. Right? And, I, and I also, I think it's also really funny because everyone has been in a long presentation prep, you know, and you're burnt out and you've looked at these words thousands of times over the same stupid keynote or PowerPoint or whatever you're using and it all kinds of blurs together. 
And I think the fresh perspective really helps. So, like, go get somebody who's in a completely different department. Go get somebody who legitimately doesn't know what you're talking about. Right. Somebody yeah. who hasn't seen all those right. things. Right. Because they'll, po- they'll point it out. Now, you might, and I think the, the biggest key, and this is the next one, don't be defensive. Really? Don't be defensive. Because. Oh, don't be defensive. Don't be defensive. Right, right, because right. a yeah. lot of times when it comes to. <sighs> creatives can be very sensitive. True. Sensitive. And. Well, sometimes I think it's not necessarily an attack on you. Right. Well, the, the the situation of a critique is that you are trying to defend your work. You are mm-hmm. making a case for it. But the, re- the reality is if you're defending your work, you're not listening to feedback. Exactly. Like you, can't, you can't defend and listen at the same time. Right. Because I think there's... And and I understand it because there's been certain situations where you'll be in a room and like you're... Com- like, I don't know why some office cultures like you compete against the people you work with. Mm. And it's like for like, you know, daddy's love or whoever the senior management person is. It's really messed up. It's really it's messed up. But like never work for a creative director named daddy. Yeah, never. that's my <laughs> advice. Don't do it. It's very true. Nothing good can come of this. You, you, you're like, he has this like far away look in his eyes right now. Are you? Are you OK? Yes. All right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, a lot, of, uh, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of deep sighs on this show today. Uh, but I mean. I think when when feedback is presented, a lot of times there are people who are trying to antagonize, especially like if it's social media, that's one thing, right? Like that's a, an expected behavior. But don't go to the internet for feedback. For don't. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh my God. But the other thing about blind spots is I think sometimes people use their own networks as justification for something being, oh, all, you know, I, I used to work in a, at the newspaper in, here in Chicago and- I remember a lot of times being in a room and everybody's like, oh, everybody likes that. And I'm like, who? Who is everybody? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's something that can easily apply to marketing. That can easily be applied to advertising. Absolutely. Like that you take for granted that everyone's like you. Oh, everybody has an iPhone. No, right. actually 45% of people. Oh, everybody has a bank account. Everybody uh, has actually, an Apple computer. Everybody every, has, you know. Everybody's saving for retirement. Yeah. Right or now. everybody has enough money to even save anything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so these biases come out and then people, you know, it, it's, a, it's a slippery slope from there to, you know, openly just stereotyping people. But I think it's not that far off. But then, I mean, like in today's world, like mm-hmm. with technology, you end up getting getting people putting not just advertisements out there, but mm-hmm. entire products that have just accessibility issues yeah. based on yeah. like your own biases. As I mean, per- and even just like, you know you know, um, disability access on like websites, stuff like that, where it's like, exactly. you know, there are really important things that people in the, the overall community need in order to say, you know, have the same experience and they just aren't being thought about because they're not being represented in the room. Exactly. You know, like to the earlier point. And so, and that's something we have experience with like oh yeah. as far as like getting, getting websites and services and software up to accessibility standards. It's important. Yeah. Yeah. But even, and I think it's also really great and I'm happy for the team here because everybody championed it. Everybody's like, no, we have to do this. It's important. It's like, and I think that's the last point about avoiding blind spots in marketing. Have a team that is trying to be accessible to everyone because I think there's a lot of lip service and I know a lot of like, that's like all of LinkedIn now is between that and Gary V motivational speeches. But I, if you can create a culture and you can hire the people who genuinely want to provide the best possible experience for everybody, it's just going to be a lot better easy, and easier for you. 
Yeah. I mean, like, don't take the point of view that if somebody doesn't get it, they're wrong. Like, yeah. create something that that your audience is and, and guess what people still might not get it but at least you know you've done your due diligence and didn't just bury your head in the sand yeah totally agree totally all right agree. so we solved racism today we solved stereotyping Finally, we solved so diversity glad. i'm so glad it's over it's over it was that was a rough wow. period in america's history you I know thought it would be harder we did it we did, we it. did it's it. done I'm really, I'm really excited. Now hey, we can enjoy our weekend. Let's go pick out a good place for them to put the plaque on the yeah. Yeah, outside, like the historical marker. Yeah, yeah. This is where racism ended. Yeah, yeah. And and you know we should start doing tours. Oh yeah, that's a good studio. Idea. Do you People. think? Yeah, like this is where it happened. Like you can go to like the Motown studio in Detroit. I have you know have you ever been to a Sun Studio in Memphis? No. Oh, it's so good. Is it cool? So cool. That's cool. I want to go to Stacks too. Stacks would be cool. Stacks I mean, would be cool. They're cool, but. I've, I, this is a way cooler studio. This, and yeah, this is the studio where racism ended. Given given what happened. And listen, and, and for, you know, all jokes aside, folks, blind spots of marketing, it's a really serious issue that is pervading a lot of people and it's keeping a lot of stuff from being the exact same and kind of lame. And I feel as though if, if we all kind of, you know, try, try like 2%, give me like 2% effort. If you try 2% to broaden your horizons and maybe address you, the blind spots you might have in your own life, we'll probably become a better place. And we're interested in examples too. Mm-hmm. Like we we did a little uh, research. We can always bring this topic back. Um, if you've got examples of uh, egregious blind spots in modern marketing, uh, we'd love to hear about. Yeah, that. you know, you can find us on the internet. But that means it's the end of our show. Ah, oh, no. Mm-hmm. What are we gonna do? What we're gonna do another one next week. Yes. All right, folks, this is Office Hours. I'm Ernest Wilkins. And I'm Alex Medokel. We'll see you next time. Bye. Office Hours with Ernest Wilkins was recorded live at Mass in the greatest city in the world, Chicago, USA.